It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Conference realignment has taken over college athletics in the last few days, and will it be the death of modern college football and the game as we know it? This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Baylor. I'm Drake Toll alongside John Garcia, Jr., the Director of Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. And I want to thank LinkedIn for bringing John on. They offer jobs. They're official college football recruiting sponsor for Locked On as well. Across the college network, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find candidates that you want faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. John, the last 72 hours, the entire realm of college athletics has been flipped on its head with conference realignment. And you know that I love to start broad. Is this a good thing, the progression of college sports, or is this going to kill college football as we know it? Look, let let me start with the last question. It's really hard to imagine the death of college football. Now, in terms of will it be the same kind of natural born rivalries and does the tradition hold in with longtime boosters and donors will some of that crowd eventually start to step away from it maybe right but that to me conference realignment is just the next thing it's it's not the first thing right there's there's still a contingent of people who don't believe players should be paid there's still a contingent of people who don't believe you should play x amount of games in your conference, or you shouldn't play down in in, in smaller conferences at different points of time in the year. I mean, there's a lot of people who aren't progressive with the game itself. So I do think that crowd, this will be another notch in that belt to step away. But will they really step away? Even if it becomes total minor leagues for the NFL, which it kind of is already, if it, it pushes all the way in that direction, will people still not watch football at a very high level with the institution they either grew up rooting for or went to being represented in a game. It comes down to something that simple for me, Drake, uh, and I don't see it. I still think it'll be a big part of our weekends. I still think it'll be a big part of the conversation because the NFL is not going anywhere. So as long for me, from the football perspective, as long as the NFL is king, which in this country it has been for a long time and there's really no end in sight, As long as that exists, it's really hard to imagine the college model slowing it down because I think there's so many holes to poke in the NCAA and so many holes to poke in the current setup um, that if you were going to step away, you probably have already done it. And those numbers are not reflective anywhere uh, across the board. So it's really hard for me to imagine, even with USC, you know, set to play Purdue in November or whatever it's going to be, even with that, I don't see it dying as we know it changing yes dying is really far-fetched in my brain but there's no doubt that it's going to take a whole lot of getting used to and a whole lot of adjusting uh from every single angle of the sport whether it's amateurism recruiting education all those things are, are can and will change to a degree will it stretch so far that we don't care anymore that's maybe possible but certainly not probable 
John, today's show will follow almost zero pattern because the last 72 hours have been like that. It's been question after question, and you get to cover college football across the entire scope of the game. And so some of the things that I know a lot of our followers and listeners are curious about, including myself, are the merger between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 that they looked at last summer. The how do we bring these two leagues together? It feels like now it's who can poach who from which conference. We've already seen the Arizona schools in Utah and Colorado, but the big question on my mind has to deal with Washington and Oregon and their decision based on whether or not they want to go to the Big Ten, if the Big Ten wants them, or if they land in the Big 12. From what you see, is the best fit for those two schools with Baylor in the Big 12? I think from a traditional perspective and from certainly a geographical perspective, it's a resounding yes, right? I mean, there are schools that have either flirted with or been in uh, the Big 12 that are in the Pac-12, right? So there's already some uh, rivalries being formed. Colorado, obviously, is you know the first one that comes to mind there. So there's already some history in pulling in those teams into the, the Big 12. And I think the Big 12 footprint, while Texas is, is kind of home base, it's expanded west. I don't know if this yeah. is left to your viewers, but it's left to me. It's expanded left, right? I'm a simple man. It's expanded that way. Um, so going up and creating a little L or triangle, create the hypotenuse if we want to get technical, kind of makes sense geographically. And my brain, call it ignorance, my brain still goes to geography with these conferences. I know USC and UCLA are like, hello, that's not the case anymore. And Rutgers yeah. has been saying that. And so has you know Syracuse and the ACC or whatever it is. But my brain still goes to geography first. Uh, so in that regard, and then combined with some of these teams that are, are on similar paths, let's say, I think the Big 12 makes more sense. Now, if it's about a super conference and if it's about joining the conference that that creates the higher ceiling, if it becomes a super conference, the Big Ten is where you need to go. I do think that the Big Ten and the ACC are trying to separate from the rest of the Power Five to be the Kickstarters for whatever super conference futures look like. But here's the thing about super conferences. Why does there only have to be two? I, I don't know why a lot of people's brain has just automatically gone, let's divide up the country and you're on this side of the super conference and you're on this side of the super conference and then let's see who's the best team at the end of the year. That is way too simple for the irregularity, to put it lightly, that is college football and, and the NCAA, as long as they're involved, right? So I do think that there's a, a potential for more than two super conferences. So if you remove yourself from the SEC and Big Ten conversation, who's the most likely to then ascend into potential super conference status? Well, it can't be the Pac-12 because it's a mass exodus right now. I think that's pretty known. And then today, and this is Thursday, I know I don't know when this is coming out. Yeah. There's a report of borderline half of the ACC trying to get into the SEC. So that kind of eliminates the ACC on principle if we're doing that in the Pac-12. That leaves the Big 12, which I would say among the conferences that have suffered strong optical losses, Texas, Oklahoma, very strong optical loss. They've rebounded as well as anyone. I think the addition and the markets, because this comes down to TV and money, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Bringing in the Cincinnati market, bringing in the entire market of Salt Lake City and the greater Pacific Northwest Utah area with BYU, certainly the expanding Orlando market and Florida 
in general. And hello, Houston, the, one of the fastest growing and biggest and most diverse cities in America, bringing in those markets into the Big 12 long term makes a whole lot of sense for television dollars. So you've already pushed in that direction. Adding another metro like Seattle, where you get Washington and then that carries over in the natural rivalry with Oregon, that would make a lot more TV sense in the Big 12 than the Big 10, which has largely been not about the big metro areas outside of what, Chicago? And even then it's a mixed metro, right? A lot of Notre Dame presence there, a lot of other schools represented in Chicago. So it's not like any one market or one program, excuse me, owns that market. So from a TV perspective, I think the Big 12, if there's going to be more than two super conferences, which makes a lot of sense, the Big 12 is in the best position compared to the Pac-12 and the ACC to become that group. So it should not be overlooked by any program potentially looking for what their next move may be. I love that you mentioned if there, if there becomes a Big 3, the Big 12 is that third conference right now. But it's it's almost... I don't want to say the Big 12 lucked into this, but what I've been toying with the last few days is the fact that the Big 12 is not seeing their teams poached to the Big 10 or the SEC. That's kept them alive. On the other side of that, the Big 12, the unit remaining after Oklahoma and Texas left, decided to stick together so well that their first thought is, okay, if we're not going to be poached, let's be the poachers and at least create a power three or a power two with one conference that's just kind of there. It, it to me... The Big 12 is in such a great spot right now because the SEC and the Big 10 don't want its teams. Do you see it that way? I do. I, I think they're certainly in the best position outside of those two conferences. And, and here's the other thing about realignment. A lot of it feels like, especially with Oregon and Washington and these, SC, these ACC schools, excuse me, that are rumored to be looking to get into the ACC, a lot of programs are initiating these moves mm -hmm. not so much the conferences so the to use the appropriate term the alliance of the current big 12 programs i do think that creates something different we don't see cohesiveness that way and it was very prompt after texas and ou made their move it was very very prompt and what i love about that move not only was it aggressive from a tv standpoint and a dollar standpoint which again it can't be overstated at this point yeah you did it from a numbers perspective you, you lost two and got four that that's just not something we see happen in the grand scheme of all of this um you know do you think the pac-12 is in position to lose their two la markets our market programs and then pull in four programs interested in the pac-12 i don't see it i think it's an impossibility at this point so for the big 12 to have already done that I do think sets them up and, and timing was was really critical here. You know, I, I think they saw the writing on the wall. We know the SEC is going to be there. The Big Ten makes zero sense from from the remaining Big 12 programs perspective. So naturally, again, with it's football at the end of the day, if Texas is your hub, the state of Texas, you're going to make it. You're going to be around. You're going to stay relevant. So I think it says a lot about that conference being proactive about it and saying, we're, we're going to stay here. Let's go expand right now and, and go get four new programs as opposed to two that move while looked at as a counter to texas and oklahoma leaving initially yeah in hindsight already just not so long later is starting to look like a brilliant move and one of the most critical that we're seeing in, in this conference realignment conversation because elsewhere again it's the individual programs making phone calls 
the Big 12 did it from the top down, and that's just not something we're seeing. All the reports elsewhere are schools initiating these conversations, and the Big 12 didn't have to deal with all of that. And that includes schools looking to leave. So it says a lot about both sides of that equation. And I think that can create some staying power, regardless of how the super conference conversation winds up. A big part of this for Baylor fans, too, is how BU fits into all of this. Because last summer, it felt like Baylor was as close as they've been in the last decade to being in the AAC or the Mountain West one morning. And so it feels like there's a lot more stability now. And I want to get your thoughts on how comfortable Baylor should be and then how their recruiting changes as new schools from the Pac-12 are added in. But first... I got to tell everybody out there about Bet Online and BetOnline.ag, BetOnline.net. It is your place for all things sports betting, sports wagering, live bets as well. Major League Baseball is going on right now. Not only that, you have, look, you've got very limited time to go to Bet Online right now and bet on who's going to win the Big 12 championship in the current Big 12 format because it could be different and will likely be different come next season. So go to betonline.net. It will be different. Go to betonline.net. It's your last opportunity this offseason to bet on Baylor to win a Big 12 championship in the current Big 12 format. And after that, who knows gonna be who's going to be here, whether it's Louisville or Arizona or Washington. So right now, take your shot, your last chance at – reminiscing on the current Big 12 and saying goodbye at Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Go to betonline.net and just check out the lines, throw a bet on a live MLB game, and see what happens at Bet Online. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Now, John, it is a weird thought for me that a kid could grow up in Walla Walla, Washington and think, hmm, I can't wait to play for UW. I've always dreamed of being a Big 12 football player. But we are dangerously, dangerously close to that realm. And it's going to, this is maybe the most asinine question I've ever asked you. This is obviously going to change recruiting for Baylor, but but how? What is this going to do to recruiting across the Big 12 and for BU? I think a lot of the conventional conference, I guess cheering is, is the best word that comes to mind for me. I think that starts to go out the window just a little bit because if two things, one, if you go to the entire super conference deal, first of all, all these conferences are going to look and feel different. and They're going to have a different name because it can't be the big 12 or the big 10 with a thousand teams in there. Right. So I do think that kind of conventional SEC rah, rah, rah starts to dissipate and it might already start to dissipate because it's look, it changes, right? It's changing every day. It feels like at this point. So I do think that can slow down kind of the broad, hey, not only do you want to come play here, but look who we play against. That part of the conversation to me becomes less important because a lot of these realignment conversations, you're just slashing rivalries anyway. Yeah. So these coaches already have to think of, okay, we, we got to sell Baylor. Not not the rivalry, not the looking around the state. We, we got to sell Baylor. So I think a lot of programs, I've talked to some coaches recently that are like, man, once all this started, we'd already kind of just focused on us and our bubble. Hmm. Not so much about the conference, not so much about the schedule or the league or the future, just kind of today and what we can sell here because there's so many unknowns beyond that. 
So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is I think the timing of all of this is really good for Baylor. Uh, football's coming off of a conference championship. We know what basketball did very recently. Women's basketball has done so very recently. This is a an athletic department, which a lot of schools cannot sell as a whole. The athletic department looks strong. And that's I'm I'm casual with this information, right? I don't know the intricacies like you do, Drake. Right. So I think it's advantageous for all of this to be happening as the entire athletic department feels just kind of lifted. It's not one school where, man, this one sport, this is our thing. Everything else, we'll see. But this, this is our thing. Baylor's not one of those schools anymore. They've got credence throughout the athletic department. And, and that means a lot to me in this day and age because we're talking mostly about football and football dollars and TV and all that stuff, right? Fine. That drives the conversation. But what what brings it home is the other stuff. I mean, that ACC to SEC report, whatever it was today, that was a swimming outlet yeah. that created that that kicked it off, right? So there's a lot more at play than we think. Uh, so programs or athletic departments, excuse me, that are well balanced, they're going to sell that, and they should be confident in selling the entire package, not just the primary package, if that makes sense. But I think with Baylor football in particular and recruiting, you got to keep it narrow. Keep it on Baylor Bears. Keep it on what they're doing. Keep it on Aranda. Keep it on the the trajectory of when I got hired versus year one versus year two versus where we're at right now. Keep it in-house and very narrow, even at the beginning of these recruitments, because it's it's naive to bring in other schools anyway. And it's definitely naive to do that right now because you just don't know who you're really going to line up against as, as early as 2023. And that is crazy to say on July 7th, 2022. Yeah. You know, I made a quip on Tuesday about fans of Oregon state right now are thinking, well, at least the mountain West has great baseball because there are a lot of schools in the West coast that are staring down the barrel of why would we get invited to the big 10? The ACC is likely on the fringe of implosion. The Pac-12 looks almost certain to be there. So there are dozens of colleges from the mid-major to the Power 5 level who are wondering, where am I going to go next? In comparison to those, how comfortable can Baylor fans be? Can, can you rest easy at night from your perspective? Because of the last, let's call it five years on campus, yes. If that was different, probably not. But because when, when, I, when I think of Oregon State, I, I certainly think of black and orange and I think of the Beaver logo and that's fun. But what, what are you standing on as a program, as, a, as a, an athletic department even? Yeah. What, is, what is the hallmark of Oregon State Beaver athletics? I don't know, Drake. I don't know what it is. They're probably great at rowing or something I don't, I don't cover, but it's not known. When it's, when it's football or basketball or both, like in Baylor's case, I do think you can take a step back. And I think that's why the teams we are seeing being aggressive in movement, they've got that at their back, just like Baylor does. It might not feel the same because it's it's not a you know a USC Trojan with the fight song and all that. Fine. But everything else is kind of similar and better, by the way, right now. So yeah. I do think the programs that have nothing to stand on with the primary sports, football and basketball, you're in trouble. There, there's really no other way to put it. You know, the Rutgers or Oregon State or no, no disrespect to these programs. It just kind of is what it is, right? 
you, you might be in trouble in the current changing landscape of, of this whole deal. But if you are strong in one and at least competitive in the other, I do think it's it's kind of just going to work out for you. I think that's the nature of the game because the movement is predicated on football, which is predicated on TV, which is predicated on money. And the secondary market for all of that is basketball. So those are the two sports where it really holds the most ground. And if you look at those, again, the most recent report is these four ACC programs. I think it's Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson, and Virginia. Yeah, All of them have won a natty in football or basketball in the last nine years, right off the top of my head. So you have that to stand on. It's not Boston College or Syracuse that's making that's trying to make this move, right? Mm-hmm. So I do think that you have to be strong in one or both. And Baylor right now has, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a ranking that does both simultaneously. Uh, and then throwing women's basketball on top of it, by the way. Baylor's right up there with with the 10, 12, 15 best programs in America today. And that matters so much because all these moves and counter moves are are being made right now. You know, now that I think about it, I don't I can't recall a team that won a sugar bowl and a national championship in basketball and then found themselves in the mid-major three years later. So that's right. probably something that bodes well for you. And speaking of things that bode well, Baylor just got a four-star commitment. If this feels a lot more light than the realignment conversation, but Baylor just landed a four-star big-time recruit that I'd love to tell you about after I tell you about LinkedIn. So if you haven't heard of LinkedIn and you are currently looking for a job or try to get out of your job, get a new job, LinkedIn's the perfect place to do so because you can go on there, put your resume in, and find hundreds of thousands of jobs in minutes. And not only that, if you're looking to hire somebody else at your job, you can create a free job post in minutes free, completely free. There are 810 million people that have utilized LinkedIn to find a new job. You add your job, use the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can find the right people to hire. Super simple tools, screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates. If you want to know certain things about certain people in the hiring process, you can do that. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Need a job? LinkedIn needs someone at your job to work for you. Also LinkedIn, both are perfect. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn.com post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college, LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions do apply. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. John, good news. Another four-star guy is making his way to Baylor University out of Arlington, Texas. Isaiah Robinson, six foot seven, 288-pound offensive tackle. That's probably good. <laughs> There's no probably about it. Uh, you know, this is a banner win for Baylor on the trail, uh, as as by the way, it builds, I think, what right now is the biggest or second biggest recruiting class in America. So um, it's it's quite hot, literally and figuratively in Waco at this point. And, and look, Robinson was, was a national recruit. There's really no other way to 
put it in a, another perspective. More than two dozen scholarship offers. You mentioned the frame, six, seven, right under 300 pounds, carries it very well, but has a little bit of room to fill out because of that height and length combination. And I think that creates instant upside, a higher ceiling right off the bat. He's more of a run blocker right now. He's a little bit heavy in terms of how he leans on, on defenders right now, but he's still got another year of high school ball and obviously will develop in the Big 12 or whatever conference weight room that he becomes a part of uh, once he does get to Baylor. But again, this is a kid with over two dozen offers, national recruit, high academic, track and field background on top of it. So it profiles really, really well for the Bears and and it's an in-state kid on top of it, a, lo- a semi-local kid, right? Arlington yeah. is, you know, he said he's staying home when he committed. So I, I put the, the geography together that it wasn't too far away. So I do think this pro- profiles really, really well for the Bears. I think he is a right tackle floor, left tackle ceiling type of player. He drives incredibly well. And despite being 6'7", he's kind of a strong leverage player, which is not something we say about 6'7 guys because it's just harder for them to get lower and, and play consistently on that plane. We see that from Zay uh, on occasion. And I think that is extremely promising. And by the way, Arlington Lamar, really strong high school program that has produced a lot of prospects, particularly on the offensive lines. So I do think that's another feather in the cap uh, for Baylor. It's one thing to grab a gem from the middle of nowhere. It's another to grab them from a, a perennial strong playoff Texas high school football type of program. John, I know we got to pop you out of here, but I, I want to know, you know, Arch Manning and all the this jazz and quarterbacks and yeah, it's just the whole offseason has been about quarterbacks. Is it almost, and right, it doesn't get near as much media attention, but when you sign three offensive linemen who are four or five-star caliber, that feels like such an anchor in a recruiting class. Does that almost mean more for a lot of these schools that are trying to build programs than that big quarterback? Well, certainly from a numbers perspective, yeah. I mean, there's more linemen on the field. They're bigger and ready sooner than they've ever been in in that transition from high school to college football. And we know the transfer portal and and the fresh start that a lot of these players want. The quarterback position led pretty much all of that conversation. So the likelihood of signing a quarterback every year and having him stay on the roster for the subsequent three, four or five years is very low. It's, it's a much higher percentage for linemen. So I think you could begin to paint that picture most certainly. You, you would rather have an offensive line haul than one solid quarterback because you just don't know if he will ever take a snap at your school. An entire class of linemen having the same fate, that would be a failure from the evaluation department and, and a relative rarity uh, because there's just – just the numbers game at that point. You're only carrying, I don't know, 15 scholarship offensive linemen. So if you're bringing in five of them in one cycle, they're going to see the field in the next, you know, 18 to 24 months. It just kind of is what it is. So I do think that you could build part of that conversation. But look, it doesn't sell tickets, right? And quarterbacks sell tickets, clicks, whatever you want to call or quantify, um, you know, the the coin here. Um, I get it. Uh, But yeah, I, I think and then certainly Dave Aranda thinks uh, that you got to build from the inside out. I, I haven't heard a coach say, I need to get a quarterback and go from there. Uh, we might say that in the media. Fans certainly might say that on social media. Right. But I've never heard a coach say, Man, if we get this quarterback, we'll figure things out. It's never that simple. 
Well, John Baylor is certainly building great offensive and defensive lines right now through the recruiting class. And as you mentioned, one of the biggest, if not the biggest in America. I know you're covering that really closely. Where can folks, Baylor fans specifically, find your stuff? Well, certainly from a broad perspective, si.com slash college. And uh, we've got a, a great emerging local Bears site as well, insidethebears.com, covering Baylor every single day. I love it. John, thanks so much for joining. And for folks out there, thanks for listening along. We'll see you again on Monday where we talk more realignment across the college athletics frame and Baylor men's basketball, who's in Canada over the course of this week, playing in an international tournament representing the United States. For Drake Toll, John Garcia Jr., thanks again for making us your first listen every day. This has been Always Will Be Locked on Baylor. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.